Welcome to the DCCC Youth Podcast. This podcast comes from our series on love in 1 John, I Heart, and is on the topic of God's love for us. Okay, we're continuing our series, I Heart, on love in 1 John. Last week, or Sunday, rather, I guess, we talked about how to love God, how we can grow in love with God, what is love for God, how do we show our love for God, all those things. So before that, we talked about don't love the world. It's what it, one of the things it says in John. Remember, John's always calling people liars in First John. He's basically telling them the truth, and he's being really blunt about it. You know, like, if you say that you love God, but you're not acting like it, then you're a liar. You know, if you don't follow his commandments. If you say you love God, but you don't love your brother, then you're a liar. If you say you love God, but you love the world, you're a liar. So he's always telling them the truth really bluntly, saying this is what it means to love God. And we talked about that um, on Sunday. What does it mean to love God? To follow his commandments. And loving God doesn't have to be like studying algebra. Um, Remember, we watched a little video. Loving God can be like, like how an artist studies a sunset or how um, a man studies his wife or like uh, remember I talked about if someone's really obsessed with Ben you know she's she's a a master of Benology Um, and that's how we should think of theology not just like this subject like geology but more like studying a person studying someone we want to know and the more we know about them the more we know what they like the better we love, can love them and the better we know them. And that's how it is with God. So that was the, the first part of it, our love for God. Now the second part that we're going to talk about tonight, which is far more important, um, as we'll see, is God's love for us. And, and in a lot of ways it actually comes first in the equation because it says, you know, we love because he first loved us. Um, because he chose us, because he saved us. That's the only reason we can know love in the first place. But I wanted to kind of end on this topic, um, or not necessarily end, but kind of do this next, because I think it's so important. I wanted to maybe spend a couple of weeks on it. So we're going to talk about God's love again. Um, and again, obviously, we're in the series, I Heart. And we're going to talk about um, three main things about God's love. But um, when we look at the verse for tonight... Um, the big question, the question I have for Sunday is, what is love? The question for tonight is, what is God's love? What does that mean when it says that God loves us? Um, what is, why does the Bible say that at all? In the verses we're going to be studying mostly tonight, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4, uh, 9 through 10, verses 9 through 10, and then 16 through 18 specifically, or at the top of your paper. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then skipping to verse 16. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So, as we're talking about what is God's love, um, thinking about this topic, uh, and what it says in John, actually, we're going to start in those first couple verses. What is God's love? What does that mean? Number one, God's love is a man. That's the thing that we learn from those verses. God's love is a man. You want to know what God's love is? It says, 
you know, this is love, not this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son. That's what it says. And it also says, this is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son. This is it twice in a row. You know, when you repeat things, um, it's because you want people to remember them. Sometimes I repeat things a lot. You know, I'm always saying, you know, we can't be good enough to get to heaven. I'm always saying that, always reminding you of that, always telling you what the gospel is. Reminding you because it's so easy to forget. And John's doing that here. He says, This is love. God sent his son. This is love. God sent his son to be a sacrifice for us. So he's saying, This is God's love for us. Number one, more than anything else, God's love is a man, and that man is Jesus. Um, you need to know Jesus. Jesus is what it's all about. You know, if you're in one of my sermons on Sunday, which you guys are, well, like, I keep going back to Jesus is the center and the purpose of all history. Um, he's, he's right there. It's why everything exists is because of Jesus and for Jesus and through Jesus. And so he is so, so important. Um, when we're talking about this thing with Jesus, um, there's uh, some extra important things that it says about him. It says in those verses, number one, he is God and he's sacrificed. Um, so God's love is a man who is also God and who sacrificed. Um, it says, God sent his son into the world, his only son, so Jesus is God, to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Love is a man, a man who is also God, Jesus, and a man who sacrificed, and that sacrifice is so important. Um, so how do you know Jesus? This is what we went back to on Sunday, just thinking back, how do you know God? You read what he wrote. You read the Bible. That's how you know God. You can know Him a little bit through creation, and as a Christian, that Christian that can help you a lot. But you can't know Him completely. That's why He gave the Bible, so we can know Him, so we can know who Jesus is because of what's written. So, do you know Jesus? Do you know what the Bible says about Him? Um, this is like a personal relationship. Uh, I know sometimes you don't hear it too much in our church, but where I grew grew up and a lot of other churches, I mean, in Cedarville, where we went to college. A lot of times you'll hear, like, you need, um, how's your personal relationship with Jesus or whatever. And really it's just kind of a synonym for being a Christian, having a personal relationship with Jesus. It's used in evangelism a lot. But I want to just emphasize with you that don't just use it as, like, a synonym for doing Christian things. Like, when it says having a personal relationship with Jesus, it means it, not an acquaintance. Um, and that's what life is about, is having that relationship, walking with Jesus, walking as Jesus walked, Knowing him. And how do you know him? You pray. You talk to him each day. You make decisions that honor him. You know about Jesus. I wonder how much we would actually know. I didn't do this, but if I had like a quiz about things that the Bible says about Jesus, how many would we get right, really? Um, Do we really even know? This man who really we owe everything to, our, our salvation, and we can't take the time to even know about him sometimes. Um... And Christianity without Jesus is so empty. Um, there's a book by uh, a really smart guy, Dr. Michael Horton. It's called Christless Christianity. This kind of thing is, is coming up where really Christianity is just becoming like preaching. This is, okay, here's the good thing you can do. Here's some applications. Here's some stuff. But we don't know anything about Jesus. And I was kind of thinking, you know, there's been a lot of movies coming out in the past couple of years. You guys remember the movie I, Robot? I don't know if you remember that. Kind of a little before your time. This is a couple of years ago. Hello, robots. Uh, did you guys hear about the movie Surrogates? You saw that? It's like all these robots 
people live through robots that look like people. Like they're just walking around, but they look like real people. And kind of people are driving them uh, with their minds. Uh, kind of complicated. But I was thinking, kind of, Rachel and I watched that movie a couple weeks ago, and I was thinking about that. And Christianity without Jesus is like a robot that looks just like a person. It goes, and for all you can see, that robot is, is a human. It does all the things a human does. Um, and performs its actions. It goes to work. It does whatever. You know, it looks like a human. It does all the things a human does. But inside, there's nothing. It's just a machine. It's empty. There's no heart. There's no soul. There's no emotion. And that's what Christianity is. That's what a life as a quote-unquote Christian is. Without Jesus, you're walking around and it's just empty. You're doing the stuff, but really you're just like a shell. You're not really... You're not really full of anything. You're just going around. I, w- I was thinking also, too, um, you know, in the past I've struggled with depression a bit. Nothing, like, super bad, like I was hospitalized on medication or anything. But um, this happens a lot. Uh, I did a workshop last year at NCCA conference about um, suicide and depression and Christians and how we should handle that. And this, this happens to depressed people, too, that basically when you're depressed, you just go through the motions, you know get up, you take a shower, maybe, you go to the bathroom, you go to work, but you just, you're not there. You're just emotionally gone. You're just going through the motions because you just don't see the point. And again, that's what Christianity is without Jesus. And this is, I just want to hit this so hard because this is so easy to be, especially as um, teenagers, I know, myself, because this was totally me. Um, growing up in a family my parents were Christians and everyone in my family said they were Christians and basically just walked around saying uh, you know for a while I didn't even say I was a Christian but I grew up around so many people who were this way they're like oh I'm a Christian and they would do all this stuff but really they didn't know Jesus it was just cultural it was something they did because they saw people doing it and they copied it and it's just so empty so, what is God's love? God's love is a man, first and foremost, and that man is Jesus. And Christianity is not about religion. It's not about coming here. And, you know, like, you know, we sing songs, we usually have a certain order, we do communion, we have a sermon, and it's kind of like this pattern, and you get into it, and it's like, yeah, yeah, great, great. I'm in this pattern, this is what we do, I get it. You know, you move up now from the, the younger kids, and you start sitting in for a while, it's a little different and then you kind of get used to it and you get to you know how the order of things are done and it just becomes that it's this ritual and there's no Jesus if there's no Jesus it's all just empty those things are not bad you know it's good to have things so people know what to expect and, and stuff like that but without Jesus if we're just doing it if we're just doing it because we're here and this is church it's just so empty Christianity is not about a religion it's about a man Jesus Christ and and if you miss that you're missing everything that's what God's love is about that man that God man who sacrificed for us Um, number two God's love brings us life we see this in um, actually we're going to jump a little bit to 1 John chapter 3 we're going to jump back a little bit um I want to read three verses for you. Um, there's three more points. First John uh, 3, 1, 2, and 3. 
says how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are the reason the world does not know us is that it does not did not know him dear friends now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been known but we know that when he appears we shall be like him or we shall see him as he is everyone has this hope who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure God's love brings us life what that means that we're children of God we have hope and we are made pure so the first one this is what God's, God's love this is man second one God's love this is the method God's love changes us it changes not just our actions but it changes who we are inside we are his children um, I was thinking uh, about this and really there's no better illustration than what the Bible gives it says how great the Father love the Father's lavished on us that we should be called children of God and, and that's what we are I was thinking about the Bible always talks about adoption um, and you know this doesn't maybe necessarily relate so well with you um, because you're younger but just imagine for me let's say you were in Haiti or in the Sichuan earthquake or something and you're without parents your parents are gone um, this is hard you are adopted into a new family you're not first might be a little awkward they do things differently maybe they think differently maybe something you know it's different but it's better because now you, after your parents died in that earthquake, you were living in a pile of rubble. And I know this is, you know, this is hard to wrap your mind around, but think about this, because there, there are people right now living this way, you know, through the earthquake and Haiti stuff. You're, you're living in a pile of nothingness. The family says, I'm going to adopt you. You're, you're connected with this family. You go with them, and it is so much better. Um, and this is, you know, this is kind of like um, what happens in God's family. And I would say in, in the Bible, it kind of talks more like orphans. We never really had a family. And then God adopts us. But what happens when you get adopted in that family? You get used to it. You start to see things the way they see. You start to do things the way they do them. And you love them because everything is better. Um, we start to understand what that family is about and act like that family. Uh, and this is what the church is. We're all people who've been adopted into God's family. Rachel is my wife. She's also my sister. Um, and that doesn't have to be awkward. You know, you're my brother. Um, the other Rachel, she's my sister. Because we're all God's children. We've been adopted. And it's all about learning. What does this family do? How does this family live? And now, this thing that, that changes us on the inside, being children of God, it changes us because we have hope. And I talked about hope in my sermon series on suffering, what hope actually means. It's, it's being, you know, having Jesus now and also knowing we're going to be with him, having the hope of having, knowing the curse will be removed. And we are made pure. Um, I kind of think of this, you know, I talked about the robot. Um, you know, it looks like a human, it's just going through life. This is like, when we're made God's children, when we're made pure, when we have hope, this is like going from, um, did you guys ever see Wizard of Oz? Yeah. 
The old one, yeah. I don't even know if there is a new one. Yeah, it starts in black and white. Yeah. Okay, so imagine with me, mind blowing. It starts in black and white, and then all of a sudden, you know, she goes to Oz. And not only is it's in color, but it's in 3D. Awesome, right? Um, that's kind of what this is like. Like this change that happens to us. This change when we know Jesus, when we know God's love, and it's not just like, okay, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to learn my verses, I'm going to blah, 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 blah. When you know Jesus, when you are changed, when you become a child of God, you have that hope, you are made pure. Um, this is what it's like. It's like going from black and white, 2D, to all of a sudden, color, 3D. Your life is, in, in a lot of ways, the same. You know, you live in the same place, you probably have the same friends, you wear the same clothes, but all of a sudden, everything is like, poof, color, popping out. Am I, gonna, am I saying, the moment you become a Christian, everything becomes great? No. No, no, no. That does not usually happen. Um, but it's all about giving perspective. All of a sudden, I see the purpose in this. I understand this. And knowing that I'm in God's love, that my identity is found in God's love, is so important. Not only that, this thing, we are made pure. Um, we, we have this new family's assets. Now, what I mean by this, again, uh, you guys don't really handle a lot of money right now, but when I graduated from college, I had kind of a lot of debt. It wasn't ridiculous compared to some people, but it was a lot of debt. Um, and it just so happened that Rachel had a lot of money saved. Um, so what happened is we got married, and not, I not only got rid of what I had, that debt, but I received everything that Rachel had. She canceled those debts because of what she had. This is this, this, we are made pure, it says. We are made pure, we are made like him. When we are adopted into his family, all those liabilities, those, the debt we had, is taken away. The sin is taken away. Do we still sin? Yeah. But you know what? Jesus always has the money to pay for that debt. And not only that, he doesn't just pay for the debt, but he, he lavishes, uh, the Bible says lavishes, gives us all these gifts on top of it. Does that mean that you have lots of money in life, you'll always be happy and successful and have a big house and a, a glistening white smile? No. <laughs> it doesn't. But does that mean that in the long run, in eternity, for, in forever, that you have all the things that will matter? Yes. Absolutely. That's exactly what it means. He gives those, he gives you those assets, those those things um, and so everything gets this perspective behind it and that's God's love so we have God's love it's a man God's love it is a method it's, it changes us on the inside it's what happens to us it's those things that he gives us he adopts us he gives us hope he makes us pure and um, last of all it is uh, God's love removes our fear now this one might seem a little strange at the end, um, but this is the result. And again, I didn't have three ounces. Man, method, salt. <laughs> I couldn't think of it then. Um, but this is the result of all this stuff that we talked about. Like this, this is the gospel, basically that I just shared with you. Again, from Molly. The manifestation. The manifestation. Nice. I should have called the English. <laughs> I should have called Dan change that in the notes for next time. Uh, make sure you write that down. Um, this is what happens. It removes our fear. And what I'm looking at this is um, 418. It says, 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So, this is that we have forgiveness. You know, Jesus is what it's all about. He sacrificed. Why? We have forgiveness. And I can't, I can't emphasize enough, you know, this one deserves to be blessed. It deserves to be the pinnacle of this because it is so important. Like, I can't... It's so, it's, it's so great to say we have forgiveness, but then also the second part, that it drives out fear. That's really what it's saying. It says fear has to do with punishment, but we're done with that. We don't need to live in fear um, of God anymore, of that punishment. I, I remember... One of my favorite books is a book called Bruchko. It's about this um, guy. He was a missionary to South America. He just like uh, left his home one day. He was 19 and went to the jungle. And he converted this entire tribe to Christianity. Um, but early on in the book, he tells the story of how he came to know Jesus in the first couple chapters. And this is basically him. Like, he was a little kid and he went to church and he was terrified of God. Like, he would read like the prophets in the Old Testament and he was just so terrified of judgment but then this change happened he realized that when he was a Christian when he became a Christian later on that he didn't have to worry about that punishment anymore there was forgiveness and it was more important than anything else this forgiveness you are forgiven it stretches to all of your life it doesn't matter what others think about you it only matters what God thinks about you um I brought this up in a, a while ago, sometime last year. Um, there's a couple books, and <coughs> excuse me, things talked about performing, living your life for an audience of one. There's been a couple songs about this too. The idea is that you you are on the stage of life. You are the actor. You know, you're living your life. You're living things out, and it's so easy to look out and see all those people, your friends, your family, and perform for them. But this, what this is really about, what the gospel is about, what being a Christian about is about is living your life for that audience of one, God, knowing He is in the audience, He is watching you, and you want a performance that pleases Him. That's what it's about. And, and it can be hard. It can. Um, to God, you are beautiful. When you feel ugly, you're beautiful to God. He sees your inside that has been cleansed by Jesus. He sees his child will always be beautiful to him. Your mistakes are forgotten. He says that in the Bible. They're forgotten. They're gone. He doesn't remember them. And it's so easy for us to remember our own mistakes. I know that's something I struggle with a lot. Looking back and saying, oh, it's so stupid. And I look back and I regret things that I did in the past. And part of being a Christian, part of being faithful, as a Christian, is being able to let go of those regrets, understanding that God has forgiven them, God has forgotten them, that you have learned from them, but you don't need to just wait in them and wallow in them and say, oh, man, for the rest of my life, I'm going to regret that. You don't have to do that. God has forgotten them. Your mistakes are gone. You are loved. When you feel unloved, you are always loved by God. Whether it's because of something you did or you just feel like no one loves you in the world. God always loves you. He says that. Loves you enough to send his son to die for you. You have a friend. And it feels like you have no friends. 
sometimes I feel that way. Um, you always have a friend. Yeah, I don't really necessarily like this song, but it's that old song. What a friend we have in Jesus. You know, it's you know we kind of think we're cheesy now, but um, it really like Jesus is a friend. The way that you think of a friend, like he's so much more than just a friend. It's not just that Jesus is your best buddy, but he 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 can listen to you. He can comfort you. He can do all those things. You always have a friend. And you are a success if, if you love him, if you devote your life to him. You can totally fail in this life. There have been so many people who, in the eyes of the world, you know, ultimately, are like, man, that person had a crappy life. <laughs> but God looked at them and said, your life was a success because you loved me and you served me. And even Jesus. Like, looking at him from a modern standpoint, uh, he was supported probably mostly by other people. Ultimately, everyone turned against him and killed him. That's kind of a crappy life, right? <laughs> Not really very successful. And yet, he is what everything is about. Everything is about Jesus. It says, again, in Philippians, that we should have the same attitude as Jesus, emptying ourselves, being humble, being servants, we're always a success in God's eyes if we are his children. Always. Those are just a couple applications of this. Um, and, and this changes you so much. Forgiveness is so deep. Now, we sang that song, uh, Amazing Grace, tonight. And I'm gonna, we're going to sing it again in just a minute. But it was written by a guy named John Newton. Um, I don't know how much you know about him, if anything. But he was a guy that he he grew up and he was around the slave trade in England a lot and you know lots of things happened to him but really what it came down to is that ultimately he became a slave trader um, he rode on the boats and he'd pick up slaves from Africa and he would take them and sell them and all this stuff one day you know bad things had happened to him before one day he's like traveling back to England on a, a slave boat and there was this terrible storm terrible storm and this is kind of like the same thing that happened to Martin Luther. Um, I don't know if you remember from that movie. Martin Luther, you know, it's the same thing. He's running around, and there's a big storm, and he, uh, he's afraid he's going to get struck by lightning. He says, God, if I survive, I'll be a, uh, a monk. <laughs> um, and this is kind of what happened to John Newton. He thinks he's going to die. He says, God, if you save me, um, I'll turn to you, basically. And so he becomes a Christian. And he talks about that. Right away, he didn't get it, really. Um, his, he says his real conversion experience wasn't until later. He was adopted, you know, maybe he was really adopted in the family, maybe not, but he still continued in the slave trade, but then he said, you know, one day he woke up and he realized how wrong it was, and he just cried out forgiveness. And you know what? This is a man. He, slayed, he, he traded people. That's what he did for a living, thousands of people, and God forgave him. That's how deep forgiveness goes. You know, there um, when several serial killers, you know, killed several, you know, many people who they're on death row, they're going to die, and they turn to Jesus. And everyone's like, well, I don't know if that person can, can really be saved. They, what they did is just too bad. And that completely, it, to me, it says that God is powerless. God can forgive anyone, and he will forgive anyone who turns to him. That's how deep forgiveness is. I just want you to know that. You know, probably you guys haven't made these huge, spectacular mistakes in your life yet. <laughs> but there's probably going to be at least a couple times in your life where you just make a spectacular 
mistakes. And you're like, no, I can't. Who can forgive this? He can. He will forgive it. And it, it changes you. That grace changes you. I want to show you a little clip. Um, actually, this guy, John Newton, again, he wrote this song, Amazing Grace. And it's because he understood how amazing grace was. The depth of what he did, um, training people, he, he understood it. But he also understood that God's power, God's grace is so much greater. And he actually was the pastor to a guy named William Wilberforce. And William Wilberforce is a famous guy because he's the guy that worked really hard and he ended slavery in England um, with this guy John Newton's help as well. And there's actually, I brought it up before, but um, there's a, a university around here um, kind of close to Cedarville called Wilberforce University. It's an all-black school named after a British white guy from the 1800s. <laughs> um, because that's how important he was. And so that grace also spread to the next generation, to this guy, William Wilberforce. I actually have a clip from the movie. Um, I showed a clip before, Amazing Grace. And it's about William Wilberforce. But in this clip, you'll see his pastor, John Newton. He's blind at this point, And he's talking. You'll hear him say something at the beginning. Um, that's so great. And then he's, he's talking about we have to we have forgiveness basically now we have to go out let's work for this let's change these things and so here I'm a great sinner and Christ is a great savior you must publish it blow a hole in the boat with it damn them with it I wish I could remember all their names. My 20,000 ghosts, they all had names. Beautiful African names. We called them with just grunts, noises. We were apes. They were human. The old guy was John Newton. Oh. Young guys will William Wilberforce. Well, you see, like he he understood the depth of what he'd done. He saw how emotional he was. Um, but what he said at the beginning is the key. He said, "I am a great sinner, but Christ is a great Savior." And I just you know this story just really gets me. Uh, because it's a song that we know so well, uh, most of us. You know, it's probably one of the most famous songs in the world. And yeah, you think, oh yeah, whoever wrote that, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound to save the wretch like me. Yeah, whatever. But when you know he knew he was 
he, you know, he said we were apes. What I did was inhuman. But Christ is a great Savior. Jesus is a great Savior. He can cover my mistakes. He can forgive me. And you notice his response from that. His response was that now we have work to do. We have work to do. And we are going to get to that um, coming up very soon. Um, so remember, God's love is a man, Jesus. It's uh, a method. It's something that happens inside of us that changes us. It's a manifestation. <laughs> the result that we have forgiveness and we don't have to fear. A man like John Newton, he had everything to fear in judgment from God. But he knew forgiveness. He knew forgiveness. And it changed him. And there's a response to that that we're going to get to. Um, our next topic will be loving others. And we'll see in John, I'll start to go back to some of the verses we covered. Always you'll see, it says, love God, love others. Love God, love others. If you don't love others, you're not loving God. It's saying it all the time. Um, and so, loving others is the response of loving God and having God's love. Um, and so, that's going to be next in our series. So, God's love means forgiveness and life. Forgiveness and life. And then I have that verse on the bottom that I just wanted to end with that I think is so important. Um, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. If you want to know what is love? You know, from Sunday, what is love? Um, what is love? This is how we know what love is. That Jesus laid down his life. That's how we know love. That's God's love. It's all about Jesus. You know, everything is about Jesus, and it's about that forgiveness. Um, so, let's pray, and then I want to sing Amazing Grace again. Now that we have a little more knowledge about you know, who wrote it, the circumstances behind it, what, what was going on, I want you to think about that, especially that first verse, Amazing Grace. And we'll go back and we'll sing that first verse um, a second time at the end as well. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love. Show us your love. Show us Jesus. Change us. Don't let us be walking around empty just doing the actions, but fill our lives with full and vibrant color and 3D. Make us live. Give us life. Make us pure. And Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness that we could never earn. We could never even understand. Your power is so great. Your forgiveness is so great that we have nothing to fear. Other people can take our lives, but ultimately, even that is nothing to fear because we know you. We are your children. We know you. We know who you are. We do not have to fear. We don't have to fear what others think of us. We don't have to try to impress others. None of those things because it's about you and we have your approval. We have your forgiveness. That is who we are. Who we are is completely and totally found in you. But everything else falls apart. It's all in you. That's where we are. That's who we are. And that is protected. We have no fear. Teach us to not fear. Calm our hearts. Let us live with confidence in you. Without fear. Without trying to impress. Except you. We want to live for you, God. In response to this. In response to you. We thank you so much for your love. Free grace. It's so great that we can know you here on earth, King. 
know you even better inexpressibly in heaven. In your name we pray. Amen.